Welcome to the Sisters of Industry podcast with hosts Laura Brown and Jen Williams, where the goal is to help you work harder, lean smarter, and live life better. Where one bloodline and different industry experiences will provide new insight to make you more effective at work and play. Our mistakes will help all of us laugh and learn. Get ready to lean in, lean out, and possibly snort coffee out your nose as they talk about all things business, leadership, and life. Let's go. I'm Jen, wife, mom, and church planner, living a life that says we are better together. And I'm Laura, wife and mom first, working in corporate America and living Choose Joy out loud, very loud. Welcome to our inaugural episode where we'll be having some fun and breaking down our understanding of what it means to live an industrious life. Thanks for joining us on this inaugural episode of Sisters of Industry. I'm Laura, and I'm so excited to get to spend this time not just with you, our listeners, but with my super cool younger sister as we explore (laughs) what it means to be industrious and to live meaningful lives. Jen, start us off. Let's not waste any time. What's it mean to be industrious? Industrious is such a great word, and we are sisters. We share a bloodline, and I think it's a word that was built into us our entire lives because I think industrious comes down to the idea of hard work. It's it's working hard for an outcome, and economically speaking, it's you know an outcome that produces things, um, produces income, produces materials, produces better things, and so it's interesting because the word industry often goes more in line with things like iron and steel and all of that, but. We've lived in a time where the industrial age has really given way to the digital age. And so the word industry has kind of grown up alongside of that. And so industry to me really now has everything to do with any activity concerned with actually producing something. And for our purposes, I would take that a step further and say industry is any activity concerned with producing something that matters. To be industrious means that we're going to get out of bed every day with a purpose, on purpose, intent to do work and life in this world in a way that matters. And so that's where I'm coming from, from industry. Those are those are some of my thoughts. What about you, Laura? So you went right to the whole concept of where is their meaning? What is the purpose? Why am I doing this? Um, When I think about being industrious, it is, as I believe you said, with a purpose. We can get up every day, and I don't know about you, but some days I'm like, man, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. What did I do today? 
but I'm exhausted, <laughs> right? I've spent clearly time and money doing things, but I'm not sure what it was and to what outcome. That to me is when I go, I've not been industrious, I've been busy. And I love drawing the difference between busy and industrious. I mess that difference up all the time in letting myself get to a point in the day and going, what was the purpose of what I did so far today? So to me, being sisters of industry means a couple things. Whether you're listening to this and you're a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, um, whatever role you may play in life, I think we all have this opportunity to come together and to help one another determine how we can take our busyness and turn it into something that is meaningful so that everything we do has purpose and is driven to ultimately help us all come together and build something that is greater. Build it in the United States, build it in our local township, in our church, in our workplace, in our global environment we might find ourselves in. But the point is building towards something meaningful together instead of just getting lost in busyness. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that word together, you keep honing in on. And I really appreciate that so much. And truthfully, I think that's a lot of where this podcast is coming from. The fact that we did grow up together, but then we kind of took some different paths. You took a path into corporate America. And it's been incredible to watch you um, thrive and explore. And you've done marketing and you've done sales and you've done human resources. And now you're vice president of this global corporation and I, I watch you and sometimes I think I don't understand a whole lot about my sister's world and what she does. However, as I took a path in that different direction and ended up in ministry and planting a church and now, you know, leading that church that that's almost 10 years old, um, I know that you understand what I do because we grew up in a pastor's house, but I think what you and I have learned through the years is even though the end product of what we're doing is different, we are in different industries, there's really so much more that we have in common. We are both living in industries as industrious people. We are working toward ends. We are working towards figuring out how do we live, how do we work, how do we play, and how do we do things that matter. And I think what's really cool about the time and the space that we're living in is that there is more and more cross-industry collaboration. People are trying to come together and say, it doesn't matter which widget you make and which widget I make, we can get better at all of it if we do it together. And so I don't know how well that resonates with you. I don't know if you listen to me and think, okay, she's not in corporate America. That's crazy. Um, but, but where do you see some of that cross-industry collaboration in your world? So I'm going to start out by saying the whole time you're saying that, all I could think about was one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite television shows. So our listeners are now going to find out <laughs> that I, Laura, the big sister, am a sitcom junkie. One of my favorite TV shows is Parks and Recreation. It's embarrassing the number of times I've watched it. But there's a point in that show where one of the best characters, Andy Dwyer, um, Chris Pratt's character, says, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing it really, really well. I have that quote in my office. I know, extraordinary on the professionalism level. Um, <laughs> and you, may, you kept making this comment, I don't understand what you do or I don't know what you're doing. But I think in... 
essence, you've made the point that we do know what each other are doing um, and we can help each other by looking at each other from the outside in. So we do very different Mm -hmm. things, but so many themes resonate across what we're doing. Themes like, I don't always know the answer and I don't know what I'm doing. So sometimes I just need to talk out loud um, to other leaders and try to find my way. Um, challenges like how do we help our employees find that meaning in their work so that they can enjoy what they're doing and they keep coming back um, to the office or to the place of work um, to join in to join in what we're doing Um, themes like how do we in difficult times motivate persons sometimes the work is not fun but we need to look at the horizon to a broader calling these things apply no matter what we're doing. I don't care if you're in the church, if you're in corporate America, if you're working in the nonprofit sector, um, if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad um, that's raising children. There are challenges that are the same in each of those. We're called to be leaders. We're called called to help one another. We're called to be better together. And I really look forward over the course of this podcast, whether it runs for two years or two decades, in exploring how no matter what we do every day, how we can work together, build together, and find this amazing thing called industriousness that is meaningful for everyone. That's completely true. And and I, I hope the same thing because I think we've had those conversations time and time again. There have been so many times where we've been able to share a little bit of what we're working through and our current challenges and we found a way through, whether it's just because we were talking about it out loud or we were able to borrow from each other's experiences. And I think that's also where um, the title of our podcast was born. The idea of being Sisters of Industry is a play, of course, off of Titans of Industry. And as you go back in history, and I did have to look them up. I didn't know all of the Titans of Industry off the top of my head. So that's full confession. My sister's married to a historian and I want him to be impressed, but I also want to be authentic. So I looked them up and it was Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, John D. Rockefeller, Henry Ford, and Cornelius Vanderbilt. And of course, there were many others, but they were the ones that formed that initial core that were looked at as the titans of industry. And so they were in the industrial age. They were in steel and finance and oil and automotive and railroads, all of these big industries that you would think of. But what brought them together was an idea that they could build better processes in all of their industries. And not only that, ultimately, what brought them together was they had a commitment to being both innovators and philanthropists. And so they were committed to this idea that they could not only make processes better, but they could ultimately make lives better. Now, all of that with the full disclosure that they did not get it all right. Sometimes power went to their heads. There's a reason they were also called the robber barons. But there was a push and pull of what it meant to get up out of bed and do something that matters. Laura, do you ever think back to what is it that drives us to be people of industry? I do all the time. It's really funny because this whole concept of drive is one that gets me a lot. I I don't know about you, but there are days that I lay in bed in the morning and I don't want to get up. Um, Maybe I'm not supposed to admit that in the first 10 minutes of this podcast, but 
it does it doesn't always come easy and it's so mm-hmm. important to understand what drives us so i'll tell you what drives me when i have those moments when i'm laying there um and the pillow seems a whole lot better than the office i think to myself there are people that are counting on me maybe they know what to do at their desk when they get there in the morning whether i'm there or not but they're counting on me to help set a direction maybe to help redirect them or to remind them how to step back and look at a bigger picture and not just think about the role they're playing, but understand how their role is part of a larger process that makes us all better. Um, Those things that drive us are so important. But I think it's also so cool to think when we about the titans of industry and what motivated them. They were building our nation, something that seems so foreign now, because I think we're no longer building maybe a nation, a United States of America in its most fundamental way, but we are building a people and a culture that we believe in. I don't think that culture is necessarily limited to the United States anymore. I think we're building this Mm -hmm. culture of people that are searching for a meaning in life and wanna build, frankly, a better world for those that come after us. And to me, that's motivating, that drives us. And I think that that is similar to the Titans. It's not about what I'm gonna do right now in the year 2019. It's about the stage that I'm helping set so that my three children um, my nieces and nephews um, can all have a have a future that is bright and exciting and has wonderful things um, to take advantage of. A world where we can all think idealistically, where as a people we figure out how to solve the big problems, like getting clean water to people who don't have it. Um, mm, absolutely. Th- you know, things like getting mosquito nets around people in countries where there's a lot of bugs. Those mm-hmm. things that are so fundamental and You can't do those things if we aren't also doing some of the day-to-day things that frankly do things like raise money and give some of us the opportunity to live a very nice, stable life so that we have a platform with which to reach out and help others. These things all come together in one big Lion Kingy circle of life that helps us all be meaningful. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, as you can tell, we're both clear drivers and the idea of industry definitely resonates with who we are. But one of the themes that we're going to run up against time again in these conversations is balance. How do we take that idea of of industry and productivity and balance it with living lives of meaning that aren't so focused on productivity that we miss where we are and we miss the bigger point. So in our next segment, we're going to run into that particular storm. It's time for our first memory lane moment. Laura and I do come from a shared bloodline, and so we have a shared history that we can pull from to help illustrate the things we're talking about. And today, the immediate example that springs to mind for me of this idea of being industrious and productive, but also keeping it all in balance, is how we celebrated Christmas Eve growing up in our home. It's almost the holiday season here as we come up against Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And so, Laura, I'm curious. I know what I think about when I think about Christmas Eve, and I think that you probably are thinking of the same things. And so why don't you share with everyone um, what Christmas Eve looked like in our house growing up? So Christmas Eve in our house was not in our house very much, which is probably one of the headliners for me, right? (laughs) So we grew up in a house with the preacher, 
The preacher's wife, who also in some years of our life was the choir director, or at least a member of every musical ensemble the church had to offer, um, and was a leader in the church in her own right. Um, we grew up living Christmas Eve at church. I think we could also say that we're probably some of the few that think about Christmas Eve and automatically also think about things like vacuuming and reorganizing hymnals. Um, Christmas Eve for us was like this perfect balance, <laughs> right? Um, of doing work, but still finding the beauty in everything that we were doing. So Jen and mom and dad and I were often at the church that dad was serving at the time from early in the day, Christmas Eve, right up through and past midnight that night taking in not only the opportunity to worship with our church family and to welcome Jesus, but also making sure that between services, the hymnals were back in place, the aisles were clean, that wax spill that might have happened in a previous <laughs> candlelight service was either covered up or cleaned up one way or another, mm -hmm. um, the communion was refreshed, whatever the case might be. Like there was this Don't forget the poinsettias. We moved all the poinsettias between every service. Yes. If anyone who knows us ever wonders where Jen and I get our need to reset and organize and make things beautiful <laughs> it came from both of our parents but my dad had like a different poinsettia setting in mind for every service that would make it unique and special um, so we'd run around with poinsettias so Christmas Eve was like this fantastic blend of beauty and work and somehow it ended up with this beautiful tradition as a family of enjoying Christmas Eve with a lot of laughter but knowing that the true rest came the next day when we celebrated Christmas and just spent time together reflecting on the funny things that had happened the night before and wondering when we were going to go back and clean up that candle spill correctly as opposed to the quick fix the night before. Yeah, that's where I was going. I, I just think we lived these lives where Christmas Eve was our favorite, but in part we did spend it very much doing a whole bunch of things because we knew how much it mattered and how special it was. And we got to be a part of that from a young age. But just so it doesn't sound too holy, um, I think we should also acknowledge that Laura and I in the middle of this had a tradition where we would skip the middle service usually in the evening and we would run home and turn on TNT, which at the time, and I think still, played the movie A Christmas Story 24 hours starting Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. And we would pick up the movie wherever it was and we would try to watch it all the way through and back from the beginning to our starting point before going back over for the late service. So all of the things, all of the, the work and also the fun and the joy of Christmas in perfect balance. So plenty of you'll shoot your eye out references in our house along the way. That's fantastic, Jen. I do think I was 29 before I actually knew the order of the scenes in that movie when you watched it from <laughs> beginning to end. And there's probably something poetic and hilarious about the fact that I did not know any of that until I got older. Great memories at Christmas Eve for us growing up um, in our house. And I look forward to using that experience as a way to help us all understand balance, when to work hard and when to lay back. Okay, so we're picking up our conversation with the idea of balancing. When do we work hard and when is it working too hard? When have we gotten so focused on industriousness and productivity that we've gotten 
lost, that we are working too hard and we are heading quickly toward burnout. And so, Laura, talk to us a little bit. You work a big job. You have a lot of responsibility. You also have three kids at home in the thick of teenager life and all the various things they're doing. Help us. How do you how do you find some balance in there? How do you take those two concepts of producing things, working hard, doing things that matters while also living a life that matters? Hold the tension for us. That tension is so real. And I just have to admit, first off, no matter what I say in the next five minutes, please know that I don't do not always get this right. Um, And to me, part of the balance is the fact that you're going to mess up and you're always looking for where to put the balance point um, in working hard and living a life. Um, And I don't know that that's something you figure out in your lifetime. It's something you keep growing and evolving on. Having said that, I got to tell you, like to me, the biggest thing is is knowing that you can't do everything all day, every day and realizing that. It is not fair for us to assume that we get a badge of honor just for working harder and for being the first person to burn out. Um, At one point in my career, I took a lot of pride in saying things like, I didn't get any sleep last night. I had so much work to do. And Mm. as the years have passed, I have learned, frankly, the hard way with stories that will come out over the course of this podcast, that um, that isn't isn't good habit building and it's not good... um, setting of expectations for everyone that's around you so to me there's really two things when it comes to this balance point first you have to be healthy you are no good you are not industrious you are not seeking meaning if you have run yourself so ragged and so tired and are so in just in a spin that you're not healthy anymore and that can be reflected a lot of different ways right like there can be literal health issues the ulcer or the back issue that puts you into a hospital because you've let it get out of control it can Mm -hmm. be the fact that you can't sleep anymore because you're wound so tense right that it manifests in so many different ways it can be the health of relationships around you that are falling apart because you've not taken time to care for them and commit to them There's so many different ways that you can go too far. But I think the most important thing that we all need to remember is that if we're not seeking balance um, and seeking our health first and our well-being first, nothing else is going to be good or meaningful. It's all going to fall apart around us. And we shouldn't be so proud in the quantity of what we do. It's the quality of what we do. And if you can Mm -hmm. find yourself saying quantity versus quality, pick quality, Um, and use that as a guidepost, I think you're going to find yourself having a much more meaningful life. I'm so glad you went straight to the issue of sleep because I can definitely resonate with that. And I think I've heard it from so many people my whole life and played into that idea of uh, it was a badge of honor to be able to say, oh, yeah, I only got four hours of sleep. And we kind of played that martyrdom card of, you know, who got less sleep and was still trying to function. And it's actually been a pretty recent growth area for me to learn that sleep is really so important and it's not a badge of honor to walk around tired all the time. And so just so that you know how recent this is and to make this really personal, I um, I, I just at the beginning of 2019 realized I had been so tired for so long and I had been playing that card and I made one of my new year goals, whatever you need to call them, goals, resolutions, whatever. Uh, one of my new year goals was that I was going to learn to nap 
and I was going to sleep more. Now, partly I had to be convinced of this by hearing about all these successful, productive people in the world that take naps and sleep at least eight hours. And so once I knew that other productive people did, it, it felt like permission. And so at the beginning of the year, I invested in a better pillow, meaning I spent more than $20 for the extra firm pillow. And I bought a good pillow. I bought a three pack of z so that I could reteach myself um, or relearn how to get through those bumps in the middle of the night. And I bought my youngest child a weighted blanket in the hopes that it would keep him in bed. And I committed to the idea that sleep was really important if we were going to do things that mattered. If I couldn't show up with my brain functioning on all cylinders, then it didn't matter how many hours I would spend in the office. And that, that really is the danger of the industry mindset, right? It's, it's this industry mindset that says if we're going to produce things that matter, then we should work harder and produce more. But I think one of the things I continue to learn is that there is a difference between more and better. And if I'm going to lean in one direction, I need to lean toward better, not more. So Jen, when you talk more and better, it makes me, of course, think about supply and demand, right? And if there is too much supply of Jen or too much supply of Laura, the value of it goes down. And mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said about that. When you use your time and give of yourself in very concentrated ways and very focused, specific ways, it's more meaningful when people receive that, whether on a personal level, meaningful time spent together with your children, or on a professional time, focus on a really important project at work, right? Those things are meaningful. I wanna make a second point in this balance item when it comes to saying, when, is, when do I need to lean back or let there be less of me. And it's about those that are around us in our impact mm -hmm. of pushing too hard and what we do to other people around us when we push too hard. Um, it took me a long time to learn this, but I would tell you that this is one of my really important things that I cling to right now. And it's recognizing that if I push too hard, if I take over too much work, if it is my voice that is being heard too much, I'm holding others back. And going to the comments we were making in our opening section of this podcast, the whole point of building meaningful industrial lives is doing it together and all working towards meaningful common purposes. And I think that a lot of us have the opportunity to learn the lesson that if we don't allow room for other people to contribute, room for other people to shine, establish our, give our employees assignments and let them actually do them instead of coming back in and taking over maybe because we want it done our way. Um, if we don't do that well, we're ultimately not contributing to an industrious culture. What we're doing is contributing to a me, me, me culture that will not work in the end. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's so true. And I think we've, we've also, again, been doing some of the things we're doing long enough to have so many moments where I realized that other people were so much better equipped to take on projects and take on ideas and leadership roles if I could just get out of the way. And it sometimes is that idea of putting your head down and working, which plays into that industry mentality, right? You put your head down and you get the job done. But when we put our head down, we forget to look up and see that there's a really big world with a whole lot of incredible people in it that are all trying to create something and do something. And seeing that, recognizing that, calling that out in other people, 
goodness, I think over time that that started to become once I got my head up far enough to go, oh, wow, this is actually more fun <laughs> than than just feeling like I'm going to I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to get it done. I actually love that collaborative idea. And there's definitely a tension there as well. But it's a um, to use an Andy Stanleyism. And we probably couldn't get through the first episode without me getting one in. So I apologize, y'all. I'm going to quote Andy Stanley a lot. But um, he talks all the time about the fact that there are tensions to manage and there are problems to solve. And I think the idea of working working too hard um, and balance and the bigger life picture, it's always going to be attention to manage. I don't think it's ever going to be a perfect balance that we've achieved. And I think it's actually helped me to step away from the idea of balance and more into the idea of how do I hold those two things in tension? What do you think about that? I think that I should be embarrassed because you quote Andy Stanley and say really profound things about tension and balance. And I think about things like Parks and Rec in the office and what I could quote from (laughs) Dwight Schrute and Andy Dwyer. Um, So I need to reflect on my source material for future episodes is definitely what I'm thinking. (laughs) I will also tell you, though, that um, part of what I was thinking about as you were saying that is with tension comes creativity and I think that that can't be lost on us right so I often picture the infinity sign like you know those loops that are going back and forth and you're constantly trying to find balance in unsolvable problems supply and demand as I mentioned earlier you're always working for a balance right but there isn't this perfect formula that tells you exactly where to land it might be at work where you're trying to balance um, making a profit with providing incentives for your employees right there's this balance you're always trying to seek and with tension comes great creativity because if everything was easily solved or could be put in a box really readily um, Mm -hmm. things would get very bland and I think we'd stop losing the drive to get better to do things differently and it's only with those things um, that we become titans of industry in this modern era and start to advance our society find new processes find ways of doing things better and ultimately um, build upon the great things that folks like Vanderbilt and Rockefeller did previously um, in a new way and a new idea and I think that those titans would be so proud to know that we continue to try to build on what they did they weren't looking to solve every problem What they were looking to do was create a foundation that we could all get better on. And honestly, that's what I want to do for my kids, too, and for those that come after me. I don't want to fix everything and make life perfect. I want to make life better, and I want to give them room to go put their mark on the world, too. Absolutely. Well, I think what we've already been able to establish here is a a basis for a really big conversation. (laughs) So for whoever's listening out there, um, whatever industry you may be in, I think we're going to touch on a lot of things of how do we um, live lives that say we do want to do something that matters. We want to make a difference in the world. We want to have an impact in the places we are with the skill sets that we have to bring to the table. But we want to do that in the context of uh, full life and all the pieces that come with that. And so I'm really looking forward to digging into all of these conversations and the weeks to come. And for now, giving y'all just a few minutes to get to know a little bit more about who we are. 
It's only fair that we let our listeners know a little bit more about Jen and I. So every episode, we're going to do a section called Real Talk, where you get to see a little bit about what's really happening in our lives. Today for Real Talk, I think it's awesome to take a few moments and give you a chance to get to know us a little better. So rapid fire questions. We're just going to do a couple. We did not prepare ahead of time, but we're going to ask each other a couple questions and give you all a chance to hear how we reflect and respond on the spot. Jen, are you ready? I'm going to go first and ask you a few questions. Okay, I'm ready. I'm nervous, but I'm ready. No need to be nervous. The first one only has to do with what you do when you're alone. (laughs) When you are alone, in the shower, in the car, and you are, of course, singing or belting out a song, what's your (laughs) go-to song? (laughs) Oh, see, this is really hard because it is just embarrassing because it's it's not anything holy or profound. If I'm just belting it out, um, there's probably some Taylor Swift involved. I'm I'm probably shaking it off. So there it is. It's out there. I'm I'm Taylor Swift. Shake it off. That's what I'm singing in the car or in the shower or any of the places where I'm pretending that I'm a diva. That is fantastic, and I look forward to you singing Shake It Off on a future episode of The Sisters of Industry. A little more more simply, maybe a little less embarrassing, um, I know you love to read. You read a lot of things, both fiction and nonfiction. I want to know what your most recent guilty pleasure fun read was. Don't name a business book, fun read. (laughs) What was it? All right. This is good. And I'm glad you asked this question because you're the one who gave it to me. So whenever we see each other, we we try to exchange some of our more recent books um, to hand off to each other. And I was in the middle of reading a bunch of workbooks and everything else, and I needed something fun. So I grabbed one that you had handed me. I had no idea what it was about. And I loved it. I laughed. I cried. It was silly. It was also... Uh, profound and a really important topic but the book is called Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine and it was it was a really great read there's some language there's some stuff in it um but it was it was a really really fun read of getting in the mind of someone with very different life experience than my own so it was a great fun read and thank you sister for for sending it my way That book was fabulous. I can chuckle to think about it. Readers, (laughs) go read it if you have not read that one yet. All right, one more question, slightly more seriously. I want to talk about meetings. I don't care what industry you're in, there are meetings. It's impossible to get around them. Love-hate relationship with them. So, Jen, when you are holding a meeting, tell me a couple of basic rules that you have that make a meeting meaningful or have good purpose and not a waste of time. This one's really good, um, and my staff would laugh to hear this because I actually used to be very not good at leading meetings, and so I read several books and listened to a bunch of podcasts and made it a project a few years ago to get better at meetings. And one of the big things that I learned is that there shouldn't be anything on the agenda that we didn't come in knowing was on the agenda. And so I, I put those things together ahead of time. I've learned that my ability to prepare the meeting ahead of time is almost as important as the meeting itself because then everyone gets what they need out of it instead of just talking in circles. And so I want to know going in that we not only have an agenda, but 
that we know whether each point on the agenda is for discussion or for decision um, and where we're supposed to land with it. And then at the end, I want to know what are the action items and who's supposed to do what with them. And a lot of that's actually stuff that I've learned from you. And we're going to get to that quickly in future episodes because you have a lot to teach people on that. I think you're amazing at meetings. And y'all, the only way I know that is because my sister makes us have meetings when we're getting ready for family vacations. And she sends us color-coded spreadsheets. And so I know this was about me, but I'm outing you, Laura, as um, the organized and very efficient meeting planner and executor. I feel like that was really unfair that you ratted me on something on your question. (laughs) I know, but it doesn't matter because now it's my turn to ask you some questions. And this is funny because we didn't share them ahead of time. And you actually already outed yourself on the fact that you love TV. And I love that about you because you are a vice president of a company. You have this crazy full life. And yet somehow you manage to watch more television than most people that I know. And you do pull incredible quotes from it. But now I want you to zero in and tell us what is your favorite TV show and TV character of all time. That is the impossible question (laughs) because it's just so hard to name just one. So I love TV. Some of my favorites include Newsroom um, with Jeff Daniels, phenomenal show. I love the sitcoms, Mm -hmm. Parks and Rec, The Office, 30 Rock. I'm sorry, but Tracy Morgan, just tears rolling down the cheek funny. (laughs) Um, Just I just have to look at somebody and mention Liz Lemon and I'm having a good time. So I do love all of these things. I would have to say that if I just picked a favorite go-to television show, it is Parks and Recreation, as I mentioned earlier. I just love the characters on that show and the diversity of them. You cannot beat spending time with Ron Swanson and talking about breakfast meat. Let's be serious. These are wonderful things about life. Um, In terms of just favorite character in total, I love most characters on that show, but I just really get such a kick out of Leslie Nope. And she and I don't agree on a lot of things and make different lifestyle choices. But one of the things that I love about Leslie Nope is that she's hilarious, she's determined, and she is an amazing friend. If you are in Leslie Nope's circle, you are going to be loved and treated well for life. And I think that's such a cool thing about her. And I love the hilarious ways that plays out on that show. So Parks and Rec, if you haven't watched it, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. Make the time. (laughs) All right. That's fantastic. Okay, so now let's move away. We're going to stay in the entertainment category because we are both big sports fans. And that will come out. Maybe we shouldn't share our loyalties quite yet so that we don't run off people. However, if you're an Alabama fan, you just need to know it's football season and war eagle. But this is about you. And Laura, this is an unusual question, but I want you to ignore every facet of reality. Okay? Forget every every facet of reality. If you could play any professional sport for any team, what would it be and who would you play for? So you made that interesting by saying that I have to play the sport. But then again, I'm, I'm denying reality, so it can be anything. This right, is you're amazing at anything you want to do. Like, I feel like I should consider water polo now, and I don't even know how to play it. Um, seriously, but not seriously, I, I got to be honest. The New York Yankees came to mind right away, so I know that we just lost 80% of our listening base, most likely. Um, 
I, I think that it would be the New York Yankees. A couple things. First, I love the game of baseball, actually playing it. I truly love putting on a baseball glove, going and snagging flies in particular, and I love taking a swing of the bat. I'm a lefty. I'm all about a good, solid hit pulled up the right field line. I love it. So I think it would be playing, and I got to tell you, I just have a lot of respect for that organization. You can say what you will about some of the characters that have passed through it over the years, but there's something really special about those Yankee pinstripes, and I'd love to just get on the inside of what really happens at that organization. So I think I'm picking up my glove and I'm heading to New York. That is slightly surprising. I love it. But I, I really thought you were going to go to a Pittsburgh team. We were either going to be talking Steelers, Penguins, or Pirates. So I love that you threw a curveball. See what I did there. And and went with <laughs> baseball and the Yankees. Okay, so serious question to end off our rapid fire. And this question comes from, I mean, it's a big question, but you travel a lot for work. And recently, you've traveled a lot internationally. You've been kind of all over the place. And so I would love for you to tell us what is currently keeping you sane. I think most that know me would question the suggestion that I am sane, but <laughs> let's suspend reality again and assume I am. I think that my sanity is coming in two forms. One of them is the whole concept of grocery pickup or delivery service, being able to yes. get on an app. Uh, seriously, right? Like I thank you to those that went before and paved the way is all I can say. <laughs> I don't I don't know that anyone in my house is eating anything that isn't ordered in a box if it isn't for that service. So I think that is just an absolutely phenomenal, fantastic, amazing thing. And then I would tell you, following with my I Love TV theme, thank you to Amazon Prime and to Netflix for the ability to download movies and TV shows <laughs> so that I can continue to watch them when I board nine-hour flights to Europe. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That is amazing. And friends, that is real talk. Thanks for listening to the first episode of The Sisters of Industry. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life. Sisters, business, what can go wrong? Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sisters of Industry. Join us weekly as Laura and Jen reflect on their shared upbringing and divergent life experiences to draw out lessons to help us all lead and live meaningful, industrious lives.